there's nothing without suffering. Even if you're passionate, even if you're talented, there will be struggles. Name any successful person, and I'm sure within five minutes we can find their struggles online. Especially if they're honest and they try to help people, they will share those. They won't hide it. Hello, everyone. My name is Sarah, and I am a co-active life coach as well as the host for my pod. This is a place where I will be bringing interesting human beings to explore an idea. There is no right, no wrong, just browsing. So let's see what we can stir up. Our guest today is Alan Abbas, who is an operations leader at Amazon that loves to get the best out of himself and empower others to do the same. So let's invite him in. Hi, Alan. Hi, Sarah. How's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? All good, all good. It's 2 a.m. here in Vancouver, so excited to do this. Yeah, thank you for joining at this time. No worries, I'm on the night shift schedule, so this is my regular office hours. Great, okay. So today with Alan, we're going to be covering what it means to be a man for a career and society. What's men's focus today when choosing a career? And what people's focuses are at the moment, I think, um, there's a lot of hype about some high visibility, but not very impactful careers like uh, being a YouTuber, trading stocks, uh, some things that look very good in the movies, and we learn about them from the movies, but we don't actually know. Like that being a lawyer, for example, 95% of the time you're reading, the courtroom drama is less than, it's a fraction of what you'll do. But on the movies, it seems like that's every day you go and you have these intense discussions. So I think we're naturally choosing careers based on what we know. And a lot of what we know is coming from pop culture and movies. And I don't think that's the best way to do it, but I was, I was also thinking about it that way at the time because I didn't know any better. I do think we have a lot more opportunities because the gatekeepers have dissolved 20 years ago, wherever you wanted to go, whether it's finance, you needed to go through a bank, whether it's TV, you needed to go through a studio. Um, if it's anything, any kind of corporation, you needed someone to accept you. However, with the internet, as you can see, this is a great example. You switched on the camera, you decided to interview people, and the, there's no permission you needed from anyone. Just needed to make the YouTube account. So I feel like the gatekeepers, and all industries are dissolving, which means the opportunities by definition are magnitudes more, which comes with a lot of benefits, but also it comes with the paralysis analysis or the paradox of choice. The more choices you have, the harder it is to choose and the more regret you have from the opportunity cost that you lost. So it's good, a lot of opportunities, um, but how we think about them and how we find the right one for us is the gap. Uh, that I noticed, that I experienced personally, and I notice most people are getting stuck at or making the wrong decisions at. So when you say making the wrong decisions, what does that look like? Great question. So making the wrong decision is being forced to decide the rest of your life at age 16, 17, 18, 19, which is the time we're expected to um, decide on a university and go through with it. There is no point in the process where we get asked what's our passion, what are the things you're good at, what are the things that make you feel alive. And if we start working backwards from that, I think we're going to be more likely 
to find careers that also match some of your passions. I'm not saying 100%. I'm really passionate about talent identification and development. So a lot of what I do relates to that, but doesn't mean it's the only thing I do. It's only 10 or 20% of my job. And going back a decade and trying to just decide on what I wanted to do, I didn't even know it at the time. So sometimes uh, you just have to start and pivot. So with every year, you make decisions that get you closer, they reduce the amount of things you hate and increase the amount of things you love in your job. So it's every year we pivot and I can tell you I'm doing my passion right now, but for sure I can tell you I'm doing more things I love than last year. And this applies for the last five, six, seven years. So I'm getting closer and closer and closer. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's a practical way of doing it. Look at what you do out of the 15, 20, 30 things every job has. I'm sure you hate some of them and you love some of them. Start doing more of what you love and less of what you hate. And if you get good enough at it, nobody's gonna say no. If you're getting really good at, let's say you're an HR manager and you're passionate about learning Excel and development and programming, go ahead, start doing it, get good at it. No one's gonna say no, you can add value to the business with the things you love. Uh, if you're more interested in out of HR and interviewing, you can also lean heavy into that. And as time passes, your job will transform to that or you'll be more suited for opportunities that are um, more aligned with your passions. If we were to come up with a practical approach, I would say, don't try to just magically one day quit everything and join your passion. You know, there's practical considerations. There's uh, you know, jobs we have, so we can try to leverage them and pivot slowly so we get closer to what we want. What I'm hearing is that if you found something in the later stages of your life, when you've already gotten a degree for something that you now know wasn't fit for you, then you can always start somewhere and start building. But I've also seen people who would say, oh, you know, actually, it's too late for me to start. When you want to start something new, it's always uncomfortable. And you're going to have to put extra effort. So those people who are willing to put that extra effort in making more exciting experience for themselves, I feel like that's the difference between someone who would find a path and someone who may just get stuck in what they do. There's always something you can do and it always takes effort, like you said, nothing's gonna magically happen. And it's not only effort, effort a lot of people can do, but facing the struggle and facing failures and facing uh, nobody gives a crap about what you're doing and keep doing it, keep improving, that's the challenge. And it's the suffering. If you're willing to suffer and keep working, you will achieve great things. If you're not tolerant to that, um, then you will not achieve anything. It's that simple. There's nothing without suffering. Even if you're passionate, even if you're talented, there will be struggles. Name any successful person. And I'm sure within five minutes, we can find their struggles online, especially if they're honest and they try to help people, they will share those. They won't hide it. Absolutely. What about men who have still not landed on a job? If they are struggling to find a job, if they are losing motivation in those things, 
have you gone through that and what have you done in order to get to where you are today? Luckily, I haven't had to job hunt much. My first job out of university was the job I'm doing now, even though I left for a few years and came back. Uh, so I didn't have to hunt for a job as much as I needed to just build connections and maintain them. And that's always the better alternative. Job hunting is plan B when you're not able to find a job the right way because the job market is inefficient and ineffective. Inefficient because on average, you need 550 applications to get an offer. This is not efficient. Imagine any, any pursuit in the world where it takes you 550 times to get a result. Let's say you need to go to the gym for 550 times to get, that's too much. You need to uh, try to invest 550 times to get one success, it's too much. So how come job applications, it's normal? Or if someone says, oh, I applied to 10 jobs, that's not nearly enough. Obviously, they don't have a job. So keep that in mind. Step number one, don't take it personally. The job market structurally is inefficient and ineffective. The inefficiency I explained, the ineffectiveness is because um, regardless how perfect your resume is, the job market is not able to provide you the job that matches it directly. There's always compromises. There's always, uh, you need to game the system. You need to put in certain keywords. You need to act a certain way. and. Uh, yeah, so in conclusion, job hunting in the traditional sense is ineffective and inefficient. And if you do pursue that path, you have to keep that in mind because getting 549 rejections out of 550 is not easy on any ego or any character, no matter how resilient and strong you are. Every rejection uh, is a bruise on the ego. No matter how healthy your mental, mental processes are and how confident you are, it is a rejection. Someone has looked at everything you've done in your life on one page and said, not good enough. So, um, yeah, it is a very taxing process and people are not able to stay in it long term because it really taxes them. So before I give advice for the job market, my first step would be try to avoid it. How many people do you know in your life? 10, 20, 30, 40? Guess what? That's 20, 30, 40, 50 companies that you have a connection with. And Sarah, if you remember in your last company, you were able to help set up my friends with the job. And this is not a one-time thing. This is exactly how we all get jobs. We look at our networks. Um, you build trust with your network. You're not a random person. You have projects. You went out with people. They know your character enough to actually help you get a job at their company. Um, and I think that's the best way to go about it. Like mm -hmm. it's, what do you think of that approach? Right. So I absolutely agree with you. I feel like everything that's around you, whether it be people or things or any platform, they're all opportunities and it's up to you to pick that up or not. However, men in particular, what I've seen is um, they have a problem asking people. It's not easy for them to ask or request or you know owe them so how do they get out of that mentality for their benefit or what's stopping them i don't know do you have any thoughts a great question and i may not be fully qualified to answer it but i'll, I'll give it my best shot asking for help also on a deep psychological level is i couldn't do it and i need someone outside myself to help me succeed so even that had a small 
uh, egotistical tax you need to pay. And if you don't have a healthy relationship with yourself, it's easier to avoid it and try to be an independent, self-sufficient man or woman. But that's not the right way to live as a human. Humans are social creatures from day one. Literally from the first day we're born here, no matter what you believe, whether it's religious Adam and Eve, or whether evolution, you started as a fish and your first friends were fishes and, <laughs> and sharks. Um, you are social creatures. You prosper, whether it's your village, your community, your family. There's always social structures. We don't move independently. We're not lone wolves. So you have to make peace with that and realize it's not you asking for help. It's a collaborative effort. You and me together. Today, you help me get a job. Tomorrow, I can maybe help you in your investment. And that's how you should think about it in a healthy way. You shouldn't keep score, but you shouldn't take it personally that it's a down or a low point that you ask for help. And that's how I think about it. And the more, the more I ask for help and receive it, the more I realize, A, people are amazing if you give them a chance. And sometimes we don't give them a chance. And B, you can achieve so much more with people. And that's why I love leadership because I cannot do any of the things that my team does. And individually, you couldn't do it, but together we can ship a million items a week, literally. Like that's crazy to me. Absolutely. You know, I, I look around my house and I look at all the products that's around here and I start thinking about, okay, so someone has thought of this. Someone has invented this someone's created a factory to manufacture this and then someone's transported this to me i mean this is all connections with people that you've never ever seen in your life i was just going to ask how do you think about asking for help do you see it as a person needs more to exist therefore they're not complete or do you think of it more of a collaborative effort you know i support you today you support me tomorrow kind of thing and, you know, that's how we live. That's fundamental to our nature as humans. And that's how we survived so many years and we continue to thrive. I think it's a collaboration because without someone inventing a laptop, we wouldn't have had this conversation. You're all the way in Canada and I'm in Dubai. So people's inventions, people's hard work has definitely tied to other people's opportunities. Are you comfortable asking for help? Yes. Let's say, let's say people say no, or they don't get back to you when you ask for help. Again, that's not something to take personal. Uh, some people are maybe not in a good place. Uh, they have their own life. They have their thing going and they're just not in the right place to help you out. Doesn't make that person bad. Doesn't make that person reject you. So I don't take it personally. I try to understand them and and those who help me out, I just simply appreciate them and try to be there when they need something and see if I can be a part of help. Because sometimes, no matter how much I want to help that person, I don't have the skills or assets to do that. You know, but I think what's important here is the willingness of, yes, count on me if you need help. You raised a very good point. People are kind. You need to give them a chance to help you. And it's not fair if you don't give your friends a chance. I'm struggling, let's say, financially. I need $10,000. It's not fair that I don't even 
ask you and give you a chance to support me because you are, you might be a kind person that actually loves to help people and your passion in life is to support your friends. It's not fair if I don't give you a chance. Um, so the only advice I would have aside from that is not to have expectations. Ask for help, but ask it in a way that you don't put pressure uh, on the other person. Neither do you expect anything in return. So that's also a skill that's developed through time, but I think it's really important to give people a chance without giving them an expectation and pressure to help. And it's a very subtle thing to do, and I'm still learning how to do it, but when it's done to me, I really appreciate it. And the way you can get more help is anyone that helps you, write it down, appreciate it, and pay them back a thousand times fold throughout the rest of your life.